This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Sarah Ray Lancaster, editor of the arts and entertainment section for the Pulse. How's it going, Sarah? It's going really well. How are you? I'm doing well. I can't believe it's already August. I know. Summer is flying by. I have no idea where it went. I feel like I've missed most of it. That's Yes, that's fair. But also, we are entering the dog days of summer. So there's still plenty of summer left because apparently this part of the month really slows down. And I think it's because it's so hot. That has to be it, because as far as slowing down when it comes to events, activities, things to do around the peninsula, that is not slowing down in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, especially this past week, the heat has just been really oppressing. Yeah, my my parents are over in Minnesota, and they've had the temperature dip up to 100, and they... We're like, this is the worst. This is the worst. <laughs> we're moving. We're yeah. moving north. <laughs> Luckily, because they check in and they're like, oh, my God, you guys must be dying over there. I'm like, well, actually, we don't get that hot, you know, considerably. So the temperature over there is always going to be 25 degrees higher than it is here because we have the lake on all sides. Mm-hmm. And likewise, the temperature at my house in Sturgeon Bay, it's usually about 5 to 10 degrees hotter than it is up in Bailey's Harbor. Oh. The balls because you have the lake right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can just come from one side of the peninsula over by Fish Creek and then come over here to Bailey's Harbor. And I have to remember to bring a jacket some days or a sweater because it's colder over here. Right. Yeah. I always make that mistake where I get up and I'm like, what's the temperature? Oh my God, it's 85 degrees today. Okay. I'm doing this. And then I get to Bailey's Harbor and I'm like, oh, it's actually really comfortable <laughs> right. right here. So yeah, I uh, the, the weather has been stifling to say the least but i really don't want to complain because before we know it we're going to be shoveling and it's going to be snowing and we're going to be back to to winter so i don't i don't want to wish it away it's hard because when we moved to sturgeon bay we were in egg harbor before we moved to sturgeon bay we moved in like right before the winter so that first winter seems so long like it just was never going to end. And then we have this summer and it's like, oh, this summer's great, but it's also coming to an end. Although if I had to choose one, I guess I would say, well, I know that my favorite season is fall for sure. Oh, hands down. But if I had to like, if it was perfect for me, I would say 65 degrees all the time, except for when I want to go to the beach, then 100 degrees. I'm probably more like right around 72, 73, like those low approaching mid 70s. That's perfect for me. Yeah, I feel like 70 is too much. So I I keep, like, my thermostat is set to 69 degrees almost the entire year. Because, like, I'm probably more comfortable at that same temperature range as you. But thinking about the 70s, I'm like, no, it's It's getting too hot. So you might be wondering, uh, is this just all small talk? Like, are we vamping for time? Or do we have something to talk about in relation to the weather? And it's the latter, because I'm a mastermind podcast host. And so you stifled your laughter. I was hoping that that would be loud enough for people to hear because it just (laughs) sounded really awkward for me to be like, I am the best podcast man and then nothing coming out of your zone. But no, I wanted to talk about beaches. It's hot going out to the beach. And Erica, our intern, has been writing about beaches. We're profiling a number of beaches starting this week. And uh, she is taking a little bit of a different perspective on it. She is kind of outlining these beaches based on what activities you're looking to do. So not so much like, here's the beach and here's what it's good for. It's like, what do I want to do at the beach? Well, here's the beaches that would be good for what you want to do. 
Exactly, exactly. So that's the approach she's taken. And she's, it's it's a really fun piece that she's put together. And I've jumped in on a little bit of it with her as we've been brainstorming what beaches to feature. And it really spans everything from uh, Little Sturgeon all the way up to Washington Island. So we're, we're trying to cover the entire peninsula and give people options of where to go and based on what they might want to do. So in this week's installment of it, she takes a look at, you know, if you want to go swimming, let's say, Fish Creek Beach, though it is one of the smaller beaches, it's actually a pretty nice one for swimming. I actually know somebody who she'll put on a wetsuit and she'll swim there in November <laughs> just because it's it's small, it's roped off from the other water activities, and it's kind of a perfect length if you look at it to just do laps back and forth across the width of the swimming area. Right. So it's more, it's more because it's smaller and roped off. It's more like a big pool yeah, than it is. In some like, ways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think that separating beaches by the activity that you want to do is very smart because the beaches are pretty different when you go to each one. I mean, some of them are geographically different in that some have sand and some have rocks mm-hmm. and those offer different experiences. Mm-hmm. Some of them offer more, like I think of Nicolay Beach and the extensive rentals that they have up there for oh, paddleboards, for sure. and all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a place where you want to get out on the water and, and do like an activity like paddleboarding or kayaking, there are different beaches that offer more in terms of like Harbor Beach, for example, offer more in terms of what you can rent and do. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see how beaches change in popularity. So for me specifically, I think to the beaches on Washington Island and where we would head when I was a kid. And when I was really little, it was always Sand Dunes Beach. I mean, that's where you could build the sand castles. The water was relatively shallow. So you could walk out for what seemed forever. It was always a little bit warmer. But then over the years, the topography kind of changed and low water caused it to be kind of mucky and overgrown. And it it really kind of disappeared as being a beach, per se, where people would go and spend the afternoon. And that created a shift that moved people more to Schoolhouse Beach. And now that beach is packed almost daily if you're up there. It doesn't matter if it's a weekend or the middle of the week. And that's interesting to me because it's not necessarily the most comfortable beach to to kick back and relax on. Yeah. Though it's it's awesome to look at. Right. When I think about like you know, sunbathing, laying down on a blanket, that kind of stuff, Schoolhouse Beach is not my first one just because <laughs> right. it's all rock. all rock. It takes a little bit of skill to walk over it. I mean, it is kind of nice. If you're a little chilly, you can take those like rocks that have been sitting out in the sun and kind of lay them on your legs. That's, that's kind of nice, but. Right. So yeah, I think that separating beaches by activity is very smart because they all offer something a little bit different. And and you had mentioned changes in popularity. I have to assume that the water level really impacts that quite a bit. So I think that with the, the water levels that we've been seeing over the last couple of years, we had those really, really high water levels. And then you go back 10, 15 years and you have the really low water levels, I think beaches change depending on that too. Because you think of like Whitefish Dunes, you have a ton of walkable beach. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, I just want to walk on the sand. That's, you know, you put on your your flowing white shirt and your linen pants and you walk barefoot on the sand at sunset, which is a favorite activity of mine. Absolutely. I'm sure. Right, right out of a movie. Yep. That would be the beach to do it. But with the high water, there basically was no beach and all of that walkability was, you know, moot. So that was not a fun beach to go to for a while. But now as water levels go back down, you're getting more of that beach again. So the activities that you can do just based on the geography of the beach changes with the ebb and flow of the water. Yeah, I would see that too. You know, and, and it is. It, it 
like I was saying before, you know, when I was a kid, sand dunes was kind of the place to go on the island. Now it's kind of switched to Schoolhouse Beach. Although I think, like you said, with the change in the water levels, uh, there's kind of a comeback of sand dunes. It's busier there than I've seen it in many years. Right. The other challenging thing with highlighting beaches is you don't want to send everybody to the same beach because then nobody has a good time. When a beach is right, completely when it's packed, crowded, yeah. it's not as fun. Uh, and so by separating it by activity, you are kind of spreading the love a little bit. And you're like, hey, if you want to get out on a paddleboard, these are really great beaches for that. If you want to swim, this is great. If you want to land. So you're spreading the love. And we promise we're not going to highlight any like secret local favorites or anything like that. You get to <laughs> right. keep your, your tiny beach that nobody knows about. Right. Most uh, of these are well-known beaches already. It's just maybe helping people see them in a different light. Or if there's a toss up that week of, gosh, which one do we go to? Take a look at what activities maybe your group enjoys the most, and that can help you figure out which one's best. Right. This will be running for a number of weeks. So if you want to check out the first installment, it'll be in this week's Pulse, but you can also find it at doorcountypulse.com. Anything else about the the beach stuff before we move on? I want to take a break, and then I want to come back and talk about music. That pretty much covers it for beaches, but before we lose Erica here in a few short weeks, she is working on a few other pieces about outdoor activities and some of them water related. Great. So keep an eye on Erica's writing in the paper if you want to see more stuff to do. I think that's been the best part about having Erica up here. She wants to do fun yes, stuff. Yes. So she gets She's out and game tries for stuff. anything. Yeah. And you get a new perspective on it too. So if it's something that you're familiar with, you get to see how a, a newcomer takes to it. Or if it's something that you've never tried before, you can say, hey, she's also never tried this before. What is that like? Yeah. It's been it's been great having her because she is, she's really up for anything and she loves the outdoors and just having that, that fresh take on it. Yeah. It adds a new angle to it. Great. Well, let's take a break. And then when we come back we've got some uh, some music stuff to talk about both some cool projects and also some bands that you can see coming up soon this episode of the door county pulse podcast is brought to you in part by door county medical center are you looking for a job in door county with excellent benefits culture and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs door county medical center is hiring for more than 75 years door county medical center has been the leader in health and wellness for door and kiwanee counties Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. All right, we are back. If you picked up the pulse last week, and I I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, you'll find volume two of the summer music preview. I think we talked about it on the podcast last week, kind of filling out all of the extra music that we couldn't fit in, including the entire live music calendar for August and into September a little bit. I think it goes to Labor Day. Yes. So if you are wondering what to check out, what bands to listen to and where they're playing, Definitely grab that. It's a two-page spread. You can laminate it. You can stick it up in your up in your wind visor in your car, and then you'll always know where the music is for the month of August. And there is a lot. There is bands basically every single night. Every single night and pretty much everywhere throughout the county. So no matter where you're staying or where you might live, there's something you could check out. Right. So that being said, that's kind of your your way to check out whatever you want. But I wanted to highlight a couple of things going on. So first off, you were chatting with Zach Johnson uh, about some of the, the musical projects that he's doing, right? Right. So Zachary Scott Johnson, he is a singer-songwriter. He hails from Racine, um, but currently lives in the Twin Cities. And even though he's all the way up in St. Paul, 
he makes a point every single summer to come back and do the community concert series here in Door County. He's been coming back here, I want to say since 2008 was when he was first introduced to the concert series through a friend. And even though I don't think his friend still does the concert series, Zach's been hooked and and he continues to come back and do them. And so we, we chatted a little bit about what it is about community concerts that is attractive to musicians like him. And he told this really funny story of how he was getting ready to play in Ephraim and he's all set, ready to start his set. And there's this loud car roaring down 42 and he looks and it's filled with teenagers, a little rowdy, and he's just bracing himself because he's he knows he's about to get heckled. And as the car roars past, this group of teenagers shout, go Zachary Scott Johnson! And he's kind of looking at him and going, only in Door County would even the heckles be nice. Right. So <laughs> just kind of a fun story. You know, he put it in context with any other location he might be playing. And he's like, that's not what would have been said to a singer songwriter with a, you know, a, a slant towards folk music. So Right. Where is he playing this year? He is playing in Fish Creek this year on August 9th. So that concert series is from four to six PM there in Noble Square. Um he's played there before and that I think is maybe the one that he started at too. So he he goes back there a few times a year. Um, he's played in Ephraim quite often. He's played in Bailey's Harbor a few times. So he tries to he tries to make the rounds and, and change it up from season to season. Gotcha. And you also mentioned that he's doing a like a song a day challenge too, right? Yes. So this is actually a project he's had in the works since 2012. It's a YouTube channel he started. Um, we are now well into the 3,613th day, give or take. And it started just as a way for him to challenge himself to learn and record a song every day for as long as he possibly could. And he started it with a song that he would use to start all of his sets just because it was something comfy and familiar. But from there it took off. And and to the point that he's actually played with some pretty cool musicians and well-known musicians, including Donovan and Roseanne Cash and um, Jeff Daniels was even another another one that he played with. And so it's, it's gained popularity and you can check it out on YouTube under the Song A Day Project. Awesome. Anything else about Zachary Johnson before we, we talk about uh, one other big concert that's coming up? He's still, he told me he's still looking for that song to kind of kick off his series. He doesn't do a set list. He explained that to me. It kind of goes by whatever he's feeling in the moment or how the crowd is. But he did have a song by Donovan that he would use to open up every set. Just like I said, it was one that was familiar to him, just made him feel good and in the moment. There's a fun little story that goes with it that I won't give away. It's in the article. But because of that, he no longer starts his shows with that song. So he's he's searching for something else that that might help kick it off. So if you go to see him and you have that song that might help him as that opener, he's open to suggestions. I am just going to give him the lyrics to One Song Glory from Rent. And I'll be like, this is it. This is what you're chasing. <laughs> you're chasing the song that he's also chasing. <laughs> he might go for it. <laughs> right. I, I'm always in awe of people who do like, creative challenges like that, where they push themselves to do something every day. Uh, like people who do Inktober, where they try yeah. to draw in pen and ink 
every day yeah. for a whole month. Or uh, Grace Johnson in The Office is a big fan of NaNoWriMo, which is a writing competition where she tries to write some ungodly number of words in a month, I think it is. I've always wanted to do something like that, where I push myself to every day kind of focus in on something. I haven't done anything like that, but uh, every Thursday we do like an hour and a half long meeting here at the office, and I always doodle something. So I try to draw something, something. every week. Well, there you go. Yeah. And then maybe you can put together just like a collage or a montage of all the drawings you've done. Yeah, here's all my weird doodles that I do <laughs> during our meeting. So I'm, I, I think that like anything physical, being creative is a physical activity and you Absolutely. You do have it's a to muscle you it. have to flex. Yes. yes. And if you don't, you kind of, you, you lose it. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, the interesting thing about creative pursuits is that you can train your mind at the same time that you're training your body to do it, right? Where like, if you, if you watch a bunch of football videos, I don't think that you're going to get any better at doing football. You actually have to physically go and do the thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're watching drawing videos or writing videos or anything like that, where you can conceptualize, you're like, okay, next time I go into this, I'm going to use those things that I learned. Right. So you're almost, you're almost furthering your education and your craft, if you will, without you even knowing it. Right. So like, I like to say, you know, you need 10,000 hours to become a pro at something. It's like, well, I watched, you know, 10,000 hours of uh, video game stuff. So I, you know, I'm, I'm now pro level. Yes, I'm pro level at this. Well, let's play. No, I, I, I can't play, but I, you know, conceptually. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's the cool thing about, about Zachary's project is the fact that it's not just the act of performing and singing and playing every day, but it's also teaching himself other songs. So he, he'll play some of his own work and he'll invite other people to, to sing with him. His wife, Megan, has joined him on a few of the episodes. And like I mentioned, other singer songwriters and musicians, but there's also that element of he, he has to train himself to, to learn a certain song or how to play it. Or if he's bringing somebody on, how are they going to play that together? Are they going to harmonize? Are they playing different parts? So it's been a really fun, creative experiment, if you will, to, to watch over the years. Right. I, I just imagine that after like 3,000 songs, he's getting to the point where people are like, hmm, this one sounds a lot like Old MacDonald Had a Farm. And he's like, no, nah, it's totally different. The old I kind has of a, asked him that. I was like, so are you repeating at this point? And he's some songs have been repeated. But for the most part, he's he's still coming up with new content. Awesome. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to chat about is uh, what's going on over at the Door Community Auditorium. Sure. They've been pulling in some cool gigs this yeah, year. Yeah, they've and, uh, had some great music. Yeah, there's a new one that you kind of introduced me to a little bit coming up soon, right? Yes. So Ani DeFranco is going to be playing there on August 7th. The Pulse is actually one of the sponsors for this show, so that's kind of exciting. I was first introduced to her music when I was eighth grade freshman year of high school. It was kind of in that realm of music of when I was also introduced to like Indigo Girls, Alanis Morissette, uh, Tori Amos, that whole group of really strong female singer-songwriters. And her music fits that vein. And, and what I've always enjoyed about her music is not only are the lyrics really rich and, you know, I think I described them as having meat on their bones because they reference everything going on in the world from, you know, societal issues to politics. They have a timeless 
quality about them and and their relevance holds. So a song that I enjoyed almost 30 years ago, I can still play and it feels relevant and and catchy today. Right. And I think that that's something that we have in common is that you and I were both introduced to Tori Amos around 11 years old. <laughs> uh, so we share that. My sister, big Tori Amos fan, and that's basically all she listened to when I was young. So I very strong You're ties. You're well-versed in that. Yeah, actually, the very first live concert I ever went to was a Tori Amos concert. Really? Yeah, it was well, her and cool. two pianos. It was very interesting to be a, you know, 14-year-old boy at a Tori Amos concert. <laughs> I was going to say, how did that go over? Right. Um, <laughs> but no, I... I Listen to a little bit of her music and going off of what you were saying about the other things, seems like she, she came around right at the right time of your life when you were like, I am a young woman and I'm getting angsty and you're probably what, 12, 13? I was 13. I think when I, the first song I remember hearing of hers was 32 Flavors. And yeah, it was probably right around that time where, you, you know, you're seeing these female singer songwriters and musicians that really just kind of were trailblazers and just kind of reinvented the industry, I think, at right. least at that time, and at least the sound of music and what a female musician was, and they weren't afraid to voice their opinions. They weren't afraid to take on some big issues within their music. And that was pretty eye-opening for you know, a pretty naive 13-year-old. Right. I mean, you go back before this kind of like new, like late 80s, early 90s push, and you had people like Pat Benatar and mm -hmm. Joan Jett, mm -hmm. but kind of few and far between. And then in the 90s, you had this big explosion of really prominent female vocalists who are coming in and actually singing about very different things and singing from their perspective for the first time, yeah. which was very cool. Yeah, I mean, and to the point that, you know, Ani DeFranco has been, has been called an, an activist and an advocate with her work. And I think that holds true. And, and the cool thing about her music is especially with her latest album that came out in 2021, it has a different sound to it, but enough familiarity that those who have been listening to her music for a while are going to find something that they like and can relate to with it. And yet it's also, I think, going to attract a bunch of new listeners as well. So that's that's exciting. I hope she pulls a great crowd here in Door County. I think it's going to be a fantastic show. Speaking of female artists, do you watch Stranger Things? You know, we watched the first two seasons and we have a lot of catching up to do. Not a lot. I mean, you just have season three and then season four, like just wrapped okay. up. Okay. Okay. So we're not so, too far behind. No. But the reason I ask is because basically you cannot go on the internet right now. <laughs> you cannot go on TikTok yes. without hearing Running Up That Hill yep. from Kate Bush. Yep. And because Stranger Things, you know, has a really great soundtrack. If you check out the musing section or the overheards and musings in the pulse last week, I wrote a pretty extensive I liked that one. Uh, part about Journey and how yes. much I love Journey. And also Stranger Things did a Journey cover mm -hmm. that was very intense and really, really cool. But they also brought Kate Bush back into, you know, the zeitgeist. Yeah. And I was actually exposed to Kate Bush a number of years ago from my sister again and found her absolutely fascinating because her kind of breakout album included the song Wuthering Heights on it, mm -hmm. which is the weirdest song you can imagine. And she <laughs> comes like every time you listen to it, you feel like her, she's not singing as high as she actually is. You're like, no, it's not. It can't be that high. And then she comes in and you're like, that's Holy way cow, higher. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're familiar with the song? Yeah. Okay. So it just, it's this absolutely wild song and it came out in the late seventies. I think 78. Sounds, it's, not, it's before my time, but that sounds, yeah. that sounds about right. It sounds like nothing that was coming out in the seventies. Like if you look at the top hits around that time, you've got the Bee Gees doing stuff, but nothing that sounds like 
that mm -hmm. song, this mm -hmm. like weird mix of witchy, atmospheric dissonance combined with absolute euphoria in the chorus. It just, it's, it's very strange. Yeah. And then you go forward 10 years from there when running up the hill comes in and then she basically sounds like the eighties, mm -hmm. which is interesting. She, she was always somebody who kind of did her own thing and walked to the beat of her own drum and did not try to be that populist sound, which is mm -hmm. why Wuthering Heights sounds so absolutely bananas when you listen to it in context. But then you get to running up that hill and it's like, oh, this sounds pretty quintessential 80s yeah. to me. Yeah, it's got that, um, that sound that we would expect from it. Right. So my favorite thing is showing people who like know Kate Bush because of running up that hill and Stranger Things, showing them Wuthering Heights and watching their eyes bug out of their heads because <laughs> it's absolutely... That surprise uh, element yeah. to it. No, no, it's it's true. And, you know, while we're on the topic of kind of those, those trailblazer female musicians, there was something really cool that happened this week out in Rhode Island at the Newport Folk Festival with Joni Mitchell. And Joni Mitchell actually came on stage and performed there for the first time in decades. And that was really cool to watch if anybody's been able to see the video on, it's on YouTube and it's everywhere online. But Door County tie to it or Door County relevance to it, if you look, Allison Russell of Birds of Chicago and Allison Russell herself as a solo artist who has played in Door County several times, she's there on stage with it, playing along with. So that was a really cool sight to see, to be watching this and then kind of pan over and be like, there's Allison Russell. Right. So, Lots of lots of strong female musicians um, with ties to Door County, and, and it's a lot of fun to listen to and watch. Right. Well, I think that that's going to do it for us this week, Sarah. Thanks for coming on and chatting with me about beaches and music and all that fun stuff. And I'm sure we will be back again next week to continue to count down all of the fun things that are going on this summer. Absolutely. We'll see you then.